And ever since then, I've been really interested in thinking about how we can go beyond form and the typical kind of relationships of architecture to communities, to society. I have developed a whole bunch of things, uh, uh, but I am really interested in having community engagement be something that is uh, truly part of the project, that is a design object, that is designed the way that project, final projects are. So what you'll see here is a lot of those kind of experiments. You'll see them from my personal work, my practice, but also you'll see a few from my teaching. I teach mostly at Parsons, the new school for design in New York. I have also taught in everywhere. You'll see a project for, that was done about New York, but in Ottawa for, with students from Carleton University, the architecture, the architecture program. So one thing that, it would have to be. So, uh, you know, obviously it starts with collaboration, but, you know, in practice we, we have gone from collaboration to, to truly begin to create things together, to begin to, like, map things, to play with form. Uh, I, I both uh, usually try to engage as many of the stakeholders as, as there are there, the groups that are going to be affected by whatever things we design, uh, and, but, but understanding also that I have a certain amount of expertise. I went to school for a very long time for a reason. So uh, that, that the interplay between conversations and then uh, myself or groups and teams being able to guide those conversations in certain ways, being able to frame them according to architectural both history, contemporary thinking, uh, anthropology, through art, through all these lenses. So that it's not just, uh, it, it, the job is not just to literally do whatever uh, communities say, but rather is to hear and uh, share from my experience and together develop something to, uh, that, is, that is greater than the thing we came uh, came to uh, thinking to the table. And perhaps one of the most important things for me is that projects and, uh, and for a true engagement project is that it has continuity. That uh, the project itself embedded in, in its DNA, uh, there's a, a, an ongoing conversation that needs to be had with whatever you have, uh, with whatever project. So for example, a museum is a great example of something like this because every time there's a new exhibit here. You have to rethink the space that you're, that you're working within. So we try to bring that uh, particularly to the public realm and to public space. So I'm going to begin with Corona. <laughs> uh, Corona is a, is a neighborhood in New York City. I don't know if you guys know it, in the, neighbor, in, uh, in the borough of Queens. Uh, it is known as being one of the most diverse places in the, in the world, where the most languages are spoken, the, every corner uh, kind of and different ethnic group kind of lays claims. You have little India, little Bangladesh, little Nepal, little, little Thailand, etc. Uh, and the the project here was that the Queen's Museum, which the Queen's Museum has been one of the leaders around socially engaged practices, etc., uh, uh, became active in trying to reimagine a new plaza. The Department of Transportation 
uh, is beginning to do plaza, uh, the, the plaza program. And what they do is they close down a street, put epoxy gravel, and open uh, a space up as a new plaza. If some of you might have seen that in Times Square and other places, uh, but they're beginning to do it in, in, the, in the outer boroughs, especially Queens. This is one of the most dense areas of New York, yet has the least open space. So the, the job here was not necessarily to design the plaza, but rather to give the Department of Transportation a series of, uh, to, to basically improve the way the Department of Transportation uh, does its community meetings and its community feedback. Uh, so th what, I, what I began to do is to do these kind of series of pieces of plexiglass. These plexiglass is what I, I like to call it analog uh, augmented reality. Is uh, a piece of plexiglass that diagrams the space and begins to, to uh, hint at potential uses of it with specific questions around needs uh, that, that the, the larger community that uses it might have. Uh, so we created a series of these, as you can see here. We, it was six of them, each of them with a very specific question, uh, depending on where they were located and the space. So very, very local with a much broader question that allowed us to understand better, not just uh, uh, what they need right here, but to understand even who the users are, who are the people that are moving here. It's easy to just look at them as a blanket group of people, but there are individual stories with very... So going from the individual to the public and back and forth. It, so these served <laughs> as, as a way to have much bigger conversations about the future of this plaza, about the, the anxieties, as you might know, everyone in New York City right now is pretty, a lot of anxiety around displacement and raising prices, etc. So some of the anxieties that a new plaza could bring, uh, but also talking about it, I mean, obviously, like I said, it being a new open space, uh, in an area that doesn't have many did excite a lot of people. So it was a way to have a public conversation. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go too much into my kind of like my inspiration for it, but a lot of it, ha it has to do about bringing democratic thinking to, to, to the, mom the political moment we live in now. In a place as diverse uh, and as kind of varied as Corona is, is the perfect kind of place to begin to think about what does democracy p uh, mean in public space? How can we have conversations that are bigger than just our personal needs, but put them in context with a larger groups of people uh, needs? Uh, so we engaged a whole bunch of people and it was exciting. So out of this, we came up with six themes that people were uh, interested in. The, those mean social services. Uh, a lot of the, the people here, uh, because they work a lot, etc., don't, don't really get to, to uh, for example, renew their driver's license. They would have to go into Manhattan. Those kind of social services. Uh, we have green spaces. To, again, this is uh, one, although it's one of the most dense areas in the country. It doesn't have a lot of that came up as an issue. Mobility, although it's uh, underneath the 7 train, and the 7 train, you may know it because it's what takes you to the Mets, uh, to, to, to City Field and to the U.S. Open Stadium, so to Flushing Meadows uh, Park. Uh, but yet, uh, that connection works really well, but the people that live in, in the neighborhood have a harder time coming in. If the local economies, uh, in this plaza there's a woman in a corner always selling tamales off of a shopping cart. People were very concerned about what would happen to a tamale woman. <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, communal programming. Everybody wanted a stage to show off what their kids do. Uh, 
So uh, what we did is we turned those, those things that we learned that people kind of talked about during those conversations with the augmented reality piece, and we turned them into a game. And, and again, this idea that democracy is a series of ongoing negotiations, uh, we created three pieces for each of the five themes, and then we uh, created a board that would only allow 12 of them to be used at any one time. And then we get prompts. What happens at 5 p.m.? What happens uh, on a weekend? As a way to talk about uh, how these spaces are constantly negotiated by use. This is the game. Uh, as you can see, it was a, a large, you know, a large-scale game. The idea is that this both would be um, game pieces, but also could be used. People could sit up there in the milk crates. People could begin to play and do things. And uh, in a very snowy day. Uh, on, a February more, uh, on a February afternoon in, in Queens, people stayed for two hours playing it and talking about what it meant to make the different iterations. Uh, what it meant uh, to, for example, create local, uh, what does it mean to have a local economy? How both uh, something like a Burger King, but also like the Tamale Woman, contribute to the overall uh, ecosystem of, of economics in this area. Uh, talking about the specifics about how uh, immigrants come in here and how they get their first jobs. So really kind of both going from the oral history almost, these pieces inspire oral histories and out of oral histories trying to create urban policy and urban uh, design. Uh, what came out of there is that we analyzed these pieces, gave them to uh, the, the, the results of uh, the different iterations of the game, gave them to the Department of Transportation, and uh, the people that came here were both just general members of the community, but were very specifically uh, specific members, stakeholders in the area, the business, uh, the, the business groups. Uh, we had a group of actually uh, 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 Drug Addicts Anonymous that is very active in the area, a group of moms in the area. So the different stakeholders came in and had a conversation with each other about how the space could be used. Uh, I'm not going to go too much into it, but there's actually gender issues here. Believe it or not, men are not, not seen very welcome, are not very welcome in this space. Uh, which usually men uh, take over a lot of spaces, but this is one where, where uh, usually men get stopped more often. Uh, there's a lot of rules around New York City that end up, uh, it came up as a real issue, etc. And then we gave, uh, again, the idea here was not to design the plaza, but to give some principles about how the plaza should be designed. We gave this to both the Department of Transportation and the, the, plan, uh, the, and, uh, the landscape architecture firm that did design the, the plaza. The last thing that came out of this is, this, is, this was me, and I, I was trying to fund it, but I ended up not being able to. Uh, you, you guys know Elan Atsui, the artist? He has this series of art pieces that I love. Uh, he called it, I think, uh, I forgot what he calls it, but he takes a big piece of wood, cuts them with a chainsaw, and then you can rearrange them. So very much inspired by that, and again, with this idea of negotiation, uh, creating a, a, a furniture that would continue the, 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 uh, the game uh, in real space. So this is what it would look like. Each one of these would have different pieces from the different uh, uh, kind of elements that people said they wanted in the plaza. Uh, the next one is Colesville. Uh, Colesville National Historical Park will be a new national park that is proposed, oh, that's a good one, uh, uh, for the city of Hartford. 
Um, as you may imagine, given the name, it's actually the factory where the Colt 45 and all the Colt weapons were, were first manufactured. Uh, and uh, the, the, the National Park Services has been really interested in thinking about how to engage larger communities and larger groups of people as they establish these urban parks, especially because they're going into uh, densely populated areas, often areas that, are, uh, that have serious problems. Uh, uh, and that it might even affect the kind of who wants to go to the park. The, the, again, the project here wasn't so much. Uh, it was a very uh, contained project. It's ongoing, so I'm showing it to you now, although it's not actually 100% finished. Uh, it was through uh, com uh, uh, an arts institution in New York, in New York City, uh, mostly focused on architecture, the Van Allen Institute. And what the, the call, uh, I was a team leader and the, the lead team designer, but what I was asked to is very similarly to what we're going to be doing actually for the NEA project is to put together a team. Uh, and in the, in the call is said that we need to have a graphic designer and also that a, um, a, a, someone with a, a anthropology or oral history or any of these other fields it was also needed. So I put together a team that had a graphic designer, an anthropologist, and probably one of the most intense people I know. She's an anthropologist and an artist. An oral historian that has been working on oral histories with the Asian American community for many years around war, the Korean War and the Vietnam War. Uh, and, uh, uh, and a couple of architects, one, uh, one that does beautiful structures for animals, uh, for animals to inhabit, and another one who was a classmate of mine at Harvard. And what we did is we did a series of workshops. And, and again, this one, almost no money here, so it was very quick. It was a way to basically... I learned that one of the biggest things that we needed to do here is work with the MPS, really. That the, the, site, the project here was less about the site specificity, but with the institution. To help the institution learn how to listen to a variety of voices, especially an institution that both very, it knows that it needs to, to begin to do that. You may have heard stories in NPR and everything, how basically National Park Service, its attendance is down and that it needs to begin to uh, reach out and find new audiences uh, to come in there. Uh, so that, that was the real project, and using Colesville, which is a place with a little bit of conflict, right? I mean, it's a gun manufacturing plant in an area with gigantic amount of gun violence. Uh, so uh, the, it's almost like you can't write this stuff, right? Like, it just happens. Uh, so we had to bring, uh, this was a group where we had to bring gun enthusiasts, uh, people that are working in innovation hubs and are all about innovation. That's one of the things that they also want to reframe hard for us. It's partly where bicycles and even, you know, the, the gun itself is kind of an innovation and, and, uh, and there has been many things, many things that have gone into them that uh, were really important and interesting, including even the, the way they worked on the guns. The, the, the same way that Ford did for cars, Cole did for guns. Uh, the way we work on things. Uh, we brought labor rights activists. Uh, we brought uh, people from the community, the parks department, the government. Everyone was involved in talking about what, uh, what this park could be. The first thing we asked people was to bring a headline, and this was an imagined headline of what Coltsville was 50 years from now. <laughs> 
uh, 20 years, let's not exaggerate, 50 is too long, none of us will even know. 20 years is long enough that we can begin to imagine what this park could mean for this area. Uh, and we organized all of them and we began to create larger themes. So instead of giving people, this is your assignment, people brought whatever they wanted and we organized it and made it thematically. And out of those, people uh, did their own sets of mapping structures. And, uh, uh, and they began, uh, our idea here was to try to understand who are the, the potential allies for something like a National Historical Park in the site? What are some of the issues? What can this national park do in this larger context? Uh, and, and something that I'm really interested in, for example, uh, uh, National Park Services as a resource, and they use this word resource in a way that I find fa fascinating, which is the, is the thing that they're taking care of, right? Uh, uh, so for example, uh, the trees or the, in, 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 in Yosemite are the resource and they're managing that resource. In this case, I found that, that we're resource interesting because it's an urban context. Its resource is that beautiful blue dome that you see here, which uh, I guess Mr. Colt was super excited when he went to Moscow, uh, so he wanted to bring them back. Uh, and you can see it's one of the, the icons of Hartford. And so things like that. So out of this, what we created was uh, this a booklet, which we're calling your park. Again, the, 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 the commission here and the idea was very specific, is to do one engagement and give some basic ideas on how to move forward. <laughs> As, as a designer, I felt like it would be malpractice to try to design something with one visit and one conversation with people. The way that doctors would feel is malpractice to just look at you and tell you what your rash is. <laughs> Uh, uh, so what I did instead, uh, and my team, uh, we all agreed, is to create a, re create a document that recreates that process and allows the National Park Service to continue that process and designers in the future to be able to be plugged in and actually continue the work. So basically we took ourselves out of the picture and gave a series of ideas, but really this entire uh, 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 pamphlet, what it does is it explains to people the specifics on how to go about making a, a project happen in Hartford today and how the National Park Service could potentially uh, be involved with that kind of work. Uh, the last one I'm going to show you is actually uh, some build work. Uh, again, I'm an architect. Uh, this is in collaboration with uh, Teddy Cruz. Teddy Cruz is a pretty well-known architect down in San Diego. He kind of shows at the MoMA. Uh, he's, a, uh, he's a pretty well-known uh, architect. Uh, here we were working in one of the, the, the most, the poorest uh, uh, communities uh, in the city of Granada, Nicaragua. Uh, so we started with the kind of same thing, right? What are some of the goals here? Uh, but what I really wanted to show this project for is because uh, many reasons, including that we didn't always have the plans that actually like, showed us where trees were, we didn't have the, the actual tools that you would need to design a, a, an area this big. Uh, what I created was a game. <laughs> the, the master planning and architecture and or community building uh, as a game in which, uh, you know, you, you probably know the artist Sol Lewitt. Uh, he's been an inspiration because he's basically about rules and how rule making uh, you can create a piece over time and you, you can interpret those rules. They're not super, um, uh, there are things that you, your, your own ingenuity can bring into it. 
So that's what this is about. It's a, it was a, a master plan that both fit the situation and also I kind of rethought the way that you do master planning. It's all around the trees. So it, we, we cut it up into certain sections, said put all the utilities down the middle. That's the biggest thing that master plan would need. Uh, and then map your trees. And then wherever the, the trees are not, put a house. <laughs> Uh, and, and that way you, you take advantage, again, the word resource, uh, the best you can. And one of the things that I like is that you can see the tree right here, and it actually worked. And even the, the housing itself uh, allowed for growth over time. So I'm showing this project to talk about even uh, products themselves as ongoing engagement opportunities. Uh, not as fixed final things, but rather as things that... that uh, foresee change and accommodate that change in a way that is still safe. It won't fall uh, during a hurricane, it won't flood as mud, and it creates certain basic structures. So again, the tree right in front of it. The last thing, and I'll go through this very quickly, this is a student work. I teach, like again, at a, at a variety of schools, graduate and undergraduate courses. I actually have been here in the area quite a bit and we're in Ohio. You, some of you might see the work that some of the students from last semester produced down there. And some of the same principles have been used in, in Warren for kind of beautiful effect. In, in these cases, people were telling personal stories, and then uh, one of the students facilitated uh, a map uh, where people were telling us where they used to hang out when they were kids, where do they hang out now, where are the areas that they wouldn't go to now, what is the perception, and then from the residents that live there, what is the reality? Uh, uh, and then there was uh, this was an interesting kind of memory card game but it was about creating a story. So uh, the students created a series of images of uh, Warren's past and then asked people to begin to put one down and then put another one and begin to create a story by, through the images that they were shown. Uh, both of these, all of these, actually were incredibly important to, get, uh, to truly get to understand what Warren is, its history and its perception of itself and how, it, where, if, if Warren is a large ecosystem of things happening, where can we put the most effort to, to make some change? Uh, to allow people, for example, where could a park be uh, so that different people in, in communities that don't usually come together can come together? That kind of thing. Uh, so for this one, I just, I'm showing you a whole bunch of uh, images of these mappings. Uh, so another one that I did in Queens, this is going back to Queens. So that little plaza I showed you, I created a whole studio around uh, the area, around uh, this area in Jackson Heights and Corona. Uh, do you guys know what a business improvement district is? A bit? So uh, there, there's a bit going in here, and it's very controversial. So what we did is we created a game that replaced the process of creating a bit. And we allowed people to play it. And it was a role-playing game where you could uh, role-play everything from a street vendor to a small business owner to the uh, a community organizer to the actual director of the bid. And it was really funny to see the director of the, B, the bid picking up her own card and looking at it. Uh, and it was a, a really a way to explain systematically both how people feel. So for the, the, the bid director could see why she was getting such a backlash uh, that to the point that it was, you know, very antagonistic in the neighborhood, and 
and the people in the community could also see what a bit does that, uh, that why, why it at times is necessary. Uh, the trash doesn't get picked up very often. Uh, there are some issues. So that both groups could understand each other and could either come together to reimagine what a bid can be or uh, create a, an alternative solution for those, those set of problems that they've identified. Uh, it was played, it was, uh, it was used by people in the community. It's actually a group of street vendors using it. And, uh, and actually got a, quite a bit of press. Uh, I was very excited, especially of Brian Lara. If, if any of you are familiar with New York, you know that he's kind of the king of uh, WNYC, public radio. Has a two-hour program in the mornings. Uh, so anyway, uh, the idea of the game continued. This is a group in Ottawa. Uh, I, I taught uh, in a group of master's architecture students last semester. Uh, and I just loved it because without telling them about the other one, they decided to create a game. But this game, uh, in a different way, allowed you to, to think about what it's like to build small interventions in the city, right? One of the things we're doing here is placemaking, right? So this one uh, allowed you to understand what are the assets and the resources in this area. Uh, this was by a school. Uh, and they, one of the groups that they were trying to work with were kids. So even it's designed specifically to work kind of in a very beautiful way with them. And what I liked about it is that it, it brought a certain amount of reality to things. So uh, because one of the, the things about urban systems is that they're so complex, we never really know what is going to happen if we put something here. This doesn't try to solve that question, but rather it tries to allow you to role play. So, uh, for example, it would tell you, you know, a community group is for you or against you, uh, and the local councilwoman is going to support your project. So the more of these kind of things that would happen, the more likely the, that your project would continue. If you didn't get that kind of support, your project would go away. Uh, so it was an, an interesting way of thinking about the, the complexities of urban life. So, thank you. So, I think that uh, I'm, I'm open for questions. And then we can maybe discuss a little bit of the, the roles of stakeholders, even here in Youngstown, with the larger project of NEA, uh, uh, with the NEA project. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 So, yeah. You can imagine, this, this has been a hard project for everyone involved. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a controversial issue. But people were willing to listen to each other. And, and I, at the end of the day, what I like the most about it is that everybody agreed that everyone need to, needed to talk to each other. And they, that the conversation... Uh, the worst thing that could happen is to not have the conversation. <laughs> How important a value is intergenerational collaboration on issues? And I'm talking all the way from children to seniors. Very. Uh, I mean, I think that uh, a lot of those uh, groups bring something completely different to the table, and they might be seen. 
So for, uh, one of the reasons I was brought into the Plaza program uh, in, with the Queens Museum is because the Department of Transportation had tried to create another plaza down the street. It's actually called Diversity Plaza, mostly because no one could agree what to call it, uh, which is kind of funny. But that one had failed. Uh, and it was mostly because some of the, 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 the community around there, some of the, the specifically some of the seniors, did not want it. So uh, they noticed how important it was to be able to talk uh, uh, across generations. And often, um, so it, it is very. And especially with some of the work here in Warren, it has been extremely helpful to talk to some of the people that have lived in Warren long enough to have seen it go through a couple of cycles. Uh, so that we're not stuck with, with this is the way Warren is, because that's not the way Warren is. That's the way Warren is right now, maybe. Uh, but there's still potential for change. And I mean, Warren is quite beautiful, and there, there some of the areas that are most sensitive right now, and the areas we've been working in, is used, used to be mansions. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that kind of institutional memory is very important, too. Two, one and two. How do you engage the right people outside of just kind of stopping people that are walking in the street? In my experience, it has been doing research before. So although I'm showing you these projects, but I'm not showing you all the research that I've done before even hitting the ground. Uh, but for any one of these things, I did quite a bit of research. I talked to people. So usually I work with institutions, whether they're governmental institutions or arts institutions, and they have clues. Usually, uh, for some reason it feels like uh, arts institutions are able to talk both to kind of some of the, the more business interests and the more uh, community and uh, even activist elements in a community. So uh, I have found that museums and other similar uh, institutions allow you to uh, very quickly they understand the system that we're working with. Uh, government, I mean, uh, one of the things, I'm, uh, there's a project I'm not showing right now, but one of the, uh, is, uh, the Department of Transportation is trying to do something similar to the Plaza program underneath uh, elevated structures, so highways, subway lines, all that stuff. Uh, it's in an area where it has become a little bit sensitive. So one of the first things that we did, uh, and I'm doing this with a couple of fellows, a landscape and a lighting, uh, designer is hold the project so we can move very fast on this created a whole community pr uh, uh, process uh, to truly have backing because uh, and again a lot of these things are happening around anxieties of economic displacement in, in New York City um, but uh, but uh, so so even sometimes when you start a project you notice that you don't know enough and my uh, my god is to stop it and figure it out and then like it, and then but then I don't try to like I try to stop it from moving too fast but the design doesn't end because I truly believe that these kind of community engagement meetings are part of designing good projects so even their conflict are are can be very uh, productive. Uh, that's a great question, and I think it's because of this. Artists can bring something. I mean, 
usually this kind of work, and again, I'm actually not a planner, right? Uh, uh, I'm an architect, and I'm coming at it at this for, as, an, as an architect, as a designer. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in complexity. I'm interested in architecture beyond the object, which, you know, in the history of architecture, people say that you should only focus on that and create the perfect thing. Uh, so what I what I have seen, what I have noticed, why I think it's working, uh, where it's working in New York, but even St. Louis is having some really interesting conversations where they invite artists to have conversations that no one ever has, is because art can often uh, put people off balance. If you do it right, for example, you notice some of the, the items that I try to do, like games, like as physical objects, etc. They can destabilize a situation. Even the bid project with my students. Uh, I remember, for example, I, the final review, there were as many people. So, you know, in architecture, you have studios, and then you invite a whole bunch of people to look at uh, the projects, at the, uh, the student projects. And the audience, we had the most ardent activists and the bid directors and the people that are for the, the business improvement industry. They both, they all would get up, they would give a political statement, and, uh, and then, then they would talk about the project, and the funny thing is that they agreed more often than not. Like, uh, I didn't show one of the other projects that students created, but uh, both the, the street vendor activist that works with mostly undocumented street vendors and is constantly kind of uh, suing the city and all these things. And the bit director loved this one project that was about creating an alternative economic structure. Uh, so uh, what, what I think design art and et cetera can do is it can reframe the conversation. Uh, if we leave only, uh, if we leave public spaces only for governmental planning agencies, uh, as much as I think they're incredibly important, uh, uh, there are certain bureaucracies there that don't allow certain things to happen. And I think what artists can do is begin to upend that an apple cart in a way, when done well, that is actually productive overall. Uh, and even conflict can be productive. So it's not like it's trying to be like everybody's nice, but it's rather trying to bring up the real issues and and uh, uh, there's also times where, when I have seen some artists do that, that it feels a little bit like it just creates a conflict and leaves. That that can be also a little bit uh, not. I think that the, the new wave of this thinking is to be have a little more uh, kind of consciousness about how that is done and how that is treated. So I, I think that actually art institutions are in a weird way perfect because uh, there uh, our society is too complex. We don't understand all the policies. I was even a little surprised that so many people knew about business improvement districts. Usually in audiences, no one knows that. Uh, no one knows about privately owned public spaces. And no one knows the mechanics about how a lot of these things work. Not even often bureaucrats, because they know only work in one little piece. Artists can both focus on that piece, on the larger picture. They, ha they, they can be playful. In a, uh, and through that playfulness, maybe actually make some change. Uh, by the way, the business improvement district thing, the councilwoman that is completely for it actually used our work as a, as a way to th uh, talk about creating a completely different kind of structure uh, within the business improvement district. So, you know, in, in a way, it kind of pushes conversations along. Yeah. <laughs> we all end up there. Yeah. <laughs>
And there's that famous laundromat project now. Yes. Yeah. That's a, that's a good question, and, and you know, <laughs> that, that's one of those questions that's interesting because as part of the ongoing research is that both community can be extremely useful, both word and, and way of working, but sometimes it becomes, it, how, how big is the, the how porous is the parameter around your community? And if you're, uh, and usually, uh, I'm gonna tell you a little bit of my, my experience here, Usually I do projects because people invite me, right? Or I don't kind of go there. Uh, uh, but what I, the only thing that I, that I can say, and with a little bit of, a, uh, of experience in this, is that um, um, it's about, a, I forgot my train of thought, give me a second. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess the Sunset Park project is, is a good example for me, you know what? Because in that one, we have a community group that does not want to start. They don't want anyone there. And it's not about us. It's, not, it's about a, a deeper anxiety that is happening there. And I'm, I'm not knowing Warren. I actually don't know exactly the situation. But I'm going to make a guess. Is that uh, there's probably anxiety of what those changes mean for them. And that, uh, that, that the people that are coming in making changes are not considering the people that are there. So in some ways, it's about kind of trying to reassure uh, people that you're not there to displace them. And, and we were talking a little bit about this with Leslie, that I feel like maybe not so much here in, in, in Warren or Youngstown. I haven't experienced it, I haven't seen it, but in New York that I know much better, there's a lot of anxiety that, for example, in communities that have been asking for things for many years, all of a sudden are getting things. But they feel it's because they're getting ready for another community to come in and take them over. So that makes them more insular and less likely to talk. Uh, and I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you an example that I think is maybe trying to do it in an interesting way. In, in Crown Heights, which has been traditionally an African-American, well, it was first a Jewish community, then it became an African-American community. It, like everything else in Brooklyn, it's been, you know, prices are up, everyone. Uh, and what happened there is that newcomers, usually uh, you know, a, a more diverse group of white, Asian, Latino groups, uh, mostly young, mostly kind of professional, so uh, have teamed up with longer residents and are creating collaboratives to, to have conversations about these issues. And in that case, it's working a little bit better than other places where, where people are just not talking to each other and actually attacking. And, and again, not, and I want to emphasize it because I think even within those groups, they have conflict, but they're willing to have the conversation. Have you had any successes bringing children into the conversation? It, you know, in a way, uh, the, the games that I've showed you, uh, the, the, there's a UN term for this, believe it or not. I learned that afterwards, it's, it's serious games. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of people kind of working on this. This is a, 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 now game theory is being taught everywhere. Urban planning has been using it forever, role playing, that kind of thing. I come on it more from theater 
Uh, I learned um, some, some exercises and I've been using a lot of theater uh, and role playing as a way of understanding uh, how larger things affect you and how you affect larger things. Uh, codependence, dependence, individuality, all those issues. Uh, but the games are an extremely good way to, to bring kids to the game. So for the Warren Project, actually, one of the students created this really nice game which was about understanding uh, zoning and planning processes. And we imagine, uh, I think it was 2020, 2020 Warren, in which the same thing as Youngstown, Cleveland, downtown is beginning to happen again, prices and rents are going up. And the question there is, uh, how do we bring more density and how, we, uh, how can we keep some affordability so, so uh, different communities can stay there together? Uh, and that is both a game that is kind of at a level that adults can get into it, but uh, at the opening, which I, and, uh, a lot of you were at, uh, a lot of kids were playing. A lot of kids were engaging with that. Uh, in, in other places, like in, uh, I was working in Medellin, Colombia. Uh, some of you might know it as it was 20 years ago, 10 years ago. You see one of the most dangerous places in the world. Now it's kind of the architectural mecca of the world where every urban idea that is coming out of Medellin is being used everywhere. All the, professor, all the architects now are ha Harvard teaching, etc. Medellin has become completely something different. And actually I was working with a theater group there and what we did is we turned, uh, because it's all hilly, so we turned the sta their stage into a model of their city, of their neighborhood, and then we began to play. And uh, I mean, and the things they tell you is like they tell you about dead bodies they've seen, you know, they, they tell you about, so the, the role playing, uh, and we, that project we did it with anthropologists uh, and, 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 and through that we began to have larger conversations about what different uh, associations with different spaces were. So this kind of game and performance uh, at a both, not, not just at a board game but at a like, larger scale and uh, has been really helpful for them. In a way that maybe the kids don't even 100% understand but they engage. Other questions? I'm going to put you on the spot. I was going to ask you this later because you've only been here for a few hours almost. But um, actually, you've experienced some nightlife already too. So, what do you think? I mean, an NEA award means for a community like Youngstown. And from your, you know, broad brush and short time here, what do you think are our resources? Okay. So I, I think I may have shared this with you, but I actually read for NEA Our Town also one year. <laughs> so uh, I have seen a lot of the kind of projects that are uh, proposed all over the country, and they're very varied. So unlike Art Place, which is a little more specific, and they kind of have an outcome in mind, or more or less, uh, I, you know, the NEA funds everything from uh, conferences on active design to uh, new new signs for uh, for communities or you know a whole bunch of different projects. So I feel, I really feel like that with for the NEA part specifically is more open ended. I think is uh, what is what what I think the NEA does is it gives us a great opportunity to think about what that means for this community, right? Like what what can that mean? Uh, and uh, of course. Uh, even already in the things that have been laid out, there's some really interesting things about technology. Uh, uh, this place was built by a certain type of technology. Can a new technology help it? So I think that uh, in a way, that kind of soul searching with some outcomes at the end, it's a really interesting kind of way of, of, of using that. 
Uh, as for assets, I, I'm, I'm personally fascinated with the history of Youngstown. Uh, its labor history, its fabrication, manufacturing, and all its history. It, it feels like they, that, uh, and this is something that we've also done quite a bit in Warren, and we talk about in the classroom. I don't think it has always shown in the final projects, but the classroom is constantly, uh, the conversations that we keep on having is, what does it mean to make today? What does it mean to have a, a so I'm very fascinated with that in this larger area. Um, I'm, I'm also, uh, yeah, I, I think that they, there are some, a lot of things to do there. So the assets is both its history, uh, the things that it left behind. I mean, uh, I know that, that the projects right now are kind of focusing on downtown, and, and that's basically the outcome of a lot of the labor that happened elsewhere. So there's maybe even ways to begin to connect those ideas of labor. Um, uh, the, the incubator, that's something that I've heard quite a bit. I think that, uh, you know, in the past I actually worked at an incubator, at a high-tech incubator, as a, I was helping them do strategic planning for a while. Uh, and I find those, the, the, those things uh, but, uh, really interesting. I, I mean, I'm not 100% sure that they work. I think often right now a lot of people are getting a lot of money for I, These days I almost uh, uh, tell all my friends that are doing a project, put incubator in there. You'll get money. Because <laughs> uh, it's one of those buzzwords like placemaking. Like, a lot of these things became kind of shorthand for something else, which are helpful because at the end of the day, we, it allows you to figure out what that actually means. Uh, so I think that even with some of the activities that are already going on, uh, there's a potential to think about it. And the same way, because I know Warren, and I'm sorry to keep talking about Warren, but it's kind of the, the, the biggest kind of uh, reference that I have for this area. So Warren has an incubator downtown that has a connection with NASA and is doing some amazing things, 3D printing ceramics. I mean, that's kind of amazing. But the people right, uh, most adjacent to it have no connection to it. So one of the things, even with some of the projects we did this semester, was to think about how that, and, and again, I don't think it's ever shown in the final mapping, et cetera, but you know. Uh, but the, just so you know that the ideas have been there, is that this is great, and I think it's important to bring the engineers from Youngstown, I think uh, they come as far as Pittsburgh, from, uh, from Cleveland, from everywhere, to bring those engineers there. But that uh, we're creating also step ladders for, so a larger group of people can also benefit from those kind of jobs. Uh, and you know, hopefully, and this is I try to do also in Queens. Uh, I was I was part of a, an incubator inside a community college, the, the biggest community college in the country, uh, uh, LaGuardia Community College, and uh, I, and I kept kind of, for example, I wanted to do projects in which we brought, and we have high tech uh, entrepreneurs that were like in Shark Tank and all these things. And to have them, uh, and to bring people from the NYCHA complex that's up the street, which is the biggest public housing complex in the country, and have connections. And, begin to, uh, and that, I think that making those larger network connections is a real potential. <laughs>